0: I'm Helen Rebello. Welcome to The Turning Point Project. I believe that when you face a big transitional moment in life, you have to learn how to transcend your fears and honour the process, even if it gets messy in the middle. In this project, inspiring, conscious creatives and entrepreneurs share their stories about how they used a turning point to move from a life that didn't fully fit to living in a more intentional way despite the messy bits. May these stories inspire you to trust your turning points and take a step forwards through your messy bits towards your more magical life. How many times in life have you experienced one of those awful moments where you're doing something you really, really love, but for some reason that's out of your control you end up having to stop doing it. That was the case for today's guest, the amazing Jenny Kovacs, who is sharing actually a series of turning points that interlink, but started from her being made redundant from a job that she absolutely loved. In this gorgeous conversation, Jenny gives away some incredible insights, my favourite of which is to trust the whispers. Jenny is one of those wonderful women that really stands out and stays with you and stays in your heart. I've known her for a number of years. She was incredibly brave and honest in this conversation and I really think you'll love what she has to share. Jenny is an advocate for helping people be visible, be seen in life, and she is the very embodiment of everything she shares. So sit back, make yourself comfy, grab some tissues and enjoy the conversation. So, my lovely Jenny Kovacs, thank you so much for being here and for joining me and for saying yes to adding your lovely voice and your wisdom to these conversations, which um, are going to flow organically in the moment. (laughs) And we will see what comes up. Thank you. Thank you for inviting (laughs) me. I love,
1: I love conversations in flow. I have to say, so whatever, I I don't believe in coincidences, which sounds like a kind of a, a, a trainer's rhetoric or a spiritualist rhetoric, um, I think that whatever comes out of either of our mouths will serve whoever's listening to this right now for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, I'm completely with you there. Mm. I love that we are both two women who are very much happy to just stay in our in our flow zone and trust that whatever comes out is going to be exactly mm. what whoever hears this needs to hear for mm. themselves. And I know that you've got some amazing, amazing wisdom to share. You are a wonderful example of somebody who is out there in the world doing her thing unapologetically in your own unique, wonderful Jenny style. Oh, thank you for saying you know, that. I, it's true. I, like I watch you and um, I... I see somebody who has managed to somehow be both humble, but also is totally owning her wisdom and owning her voice and owning what she's here to share, which is to help people be more visible. Mm. And, um, and you've just got an amazing way of connecting with people and an amazing way of showing up as yourself, but without any trace of arrogance or, apology you're not shouty unless you really need to be in the moment you know you are just so 100% real and and I love that about you and it's one of the reasons I wanted to invite you to contribute and share so um so I would I would really love you to share how how that journey has unfolded, how did you become that person that is able to do that? Because it's really not that easy to be that visible, but also to be really real with it. How did you get to that point?
1: It's, it's interesting because this is one of those questions that in order for me to answer, I have to look back and connect the dots. And it's funny because although... People listening to this won't see that I've got my glasses on and they're reading glasses, so I don't even need to wear them. (laughs) But it's that in my mind, I look back and connect the dots. So, um, one of the things that I fundamentally believe like before I did any of this for a living, I've been doing this now for what? um, It'll be coming up to nine years this year officially. Um, One of the things I fundamentally believe in is that everybody has a voice everyone's voice is different, everyone has different flavours, even dare I mention the T word, even Donald Trump has a voice. It's not that we have to love everybody's voice, but one of the things fundamentally as a human being, and I just also want to say I I don't agree with the flavour of Donald (laughs) Trump, just for the record, um, but he has a voice, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, we somehow go through this thing called life starting off with our voice you know we're born we scream everyone knows that we're okay and then something happens where it's like now you mustn't scream so much don't Mm -hmm. cry so much don't talk so much don't talk so loud don't talk so white don't talk so black you know and that's Mm -hmm. my own sort of like some of my own stuff that has gone through my life When I was four, I wished that somebody had given me a book called How to um, Run Your Life and How to Find Your Life Purpose, but they didn't. So I, like many people, meandered through life, just did things that I liked, things that I didn't like. Then I got into corporate America, uh, corporate UK, even corporate America, corporate UK. I worked in financial services. I was very senior. And I felt that there was a game that I had to play to be accepted for all sorts of different reasons. And many people do this on a daily basis. They have private life, personal life, never the twain shall me. Mm. You know, they have responsibilities, whether it's as a parent, not as a parent, um, responsibilities as a business owner or as an employee, responsibilities they feel as somebody who purports to be not religious, but spiritual. And we put all of these divides in our voice And the thing that I learned very quickly about visibility was um, it's really part of my dharma. It's part of my life purpose. And I didn't know. It was like I was the last person to know. In fact, it took me two years into starting my business before I realized that trying to keep the cloak of professionalism on was quite exhausting, very difficult and how could I do that when I'm starting to reach all of these audiences online, offline, worldwide, locally, without knowing how they wanted me to be? So I, as I started to grow my own community, I did a lot of stuff through speaking a lot of stuff through video, and people would crack up at some of the things I said, and I'd be like, oh, my gosh, you know, what did I say? And, in fact, I think you were there. at One of the, um, one of the classes that I taught on Facebook Live Mastery and um, a lady called Liz was also on this um, on this course. After the course, she sent me a, um, a PowerPoint, and this is when it really kind of resonated into something tangible. She said to me, "I hope you don't mind. That class was immense. Like you're really funny. The things you come out with crack me up." She says, "So I've made a presentation of all your Jennyisms." <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, "What Jennyisms? I don't have Jennyisms." it was hilarious and I was like oh my gosh I do say that like I'll say um instead of referring to talking or speaking I'll say flapping my gums I didn't yes. realize how much I said that so when somebody just one person even reflects that back or somebody puts a comment under a video or under a post that you've written and reflects it back and tells you how much they've enjoyed it you kind of start to take notice. And people often try and do visibility from starting with the how do I want to be? Like starting with the end in mind, but how do I want to be? How do I want to get there? And my my approach is completely different. Just do it anyway, mm. and you'll work out your way, you'll work out your brand. You know, you'll work out what colours to put in your brand because by now you've played around and you've um got people's opinions, you've started to get comfortable with your own voice. But fundamentally, it's too exhausting to go around trying to fit into everybody else's model of the world. So I just started to be more of myself. I thought, well, I could either be corporate Jenny or Jenny, Jenny. And you know what, if people don't like Jenny, Jenny, maybe she doesn't seem professional. I'm doing air quotes. Um, Then perhaps they need to go and find the person who resonates with them and is more professional. And that's kind of how it started just being real being raw um and actually when something didn't feel good to me didn't sound good to me to to be brave enough to have the courage enough to stand out and say and be willing to say it Mm -hmm. and then to be willing to say it through a lens of love you know not through the lens of um standing on someone's head to you know to to get the upper hand all of that sounds really smooth and beautiful and everything else. But anyone who's trodden the path in personal development, spiritual development or anything else will know that there are lots of bumps and holes between that. There's lots of meditation. There's lots of sitting with things quietly. There's lots of um, silence. There's lots of sobs. There's lots of frustrations. There's lots of the, why can't I be like everyone else and just go out and, get drunk and like take drugs instead surely that would be better but there are also some really great um great pieces in between as well like the cacao ceremony that we once uh
0: yes yes so there are
1: lots of great pieces and it's knowing what you love and claiming what you love not from a publicity place not from a a visibility place but just doing what you love what makes you feel good Mm. essentially
0: yeah i love that I I, I love that because one of the reasons I wanted to have these conversations is because I feel like there is so much importance placed upon this concept of turning points. Mm. And and sometimes turning points can be a hugely significant thing in our lives. And I know both you and I have encountered this in our lives, Mm. but equally, a lot of them are really subtle stepping stones that build upon each other as you evolve and grow as an individual. And and kind of what I'm hearing from what you're saying is in terms of your own evolution in your work and your business, a lot of that has happened by you just taking steps forward as opposed to huge epiphanies. And some of it's been because other people have Highlighted something for you that you couldn't necessarily seen have seen yourself, and I love that you shared that because you did that for me <laughs> <laughs> because i couldn't see my own what I was here to bring mm. so um so looking back can you identify any really significant moments that gave you that that determination to stop dividing yourself into corporate Jenny and Jenny Jenny? Mm. Or was it very much a slow drip?
1: Oh, gosh, there are so many points and some are seemingly insignificant and they don't appear to have a big story around them and some have a big story around them. So the first one um, I think has to be Um, I worked in financial services and I was made redundant in 2008 from a job that I absolutely loved, absolutely adored it. The company, the business adored me and I adored them. Um, And most of us walk around life with an identity of this is who I am because Mm. of the job that I do. And I remember at that point I wanted to start a business, but I wasn't brave enough to. Wow. I remember and um, you know during this kind of consultancy period I was because I was senior I was able to work a lot from home and the HR director said oh you know start looking for other jobs it's fine to do it do whatever you need and instead I spent days like just looking at websites and thinking if I had a website this is what I put on it I wasn't brave enough you know so I then um, after the redundancy went into another role within financial services and an interesting point Um, to note there which seems really insignificant was that in that next role I took a 60% pay cut and it's the first time looking back and joining the dots that I realized that I in some way had devalued myself because of a job I mean because of a job yeah like you know I'd lost a job and that was it you know so that was that was one such kind of like for me a big turning point um, and then I went on to do the next, the next job, um, having taken the pay cut. And within that job, there were elements of it that I wasn't happy with. And it was a coach that I hired for somebody else that we've kind of sat over lunch and we had this really weird conversation. And um, for anyone who has got a got a job or being in a corporate environment where you have to be a certain way. Imagine that you're sat in the canteen restaurant area of where you work, trying to have a conversation about what you really want from life without anybody hearing. Mm. Because then corporate Jenny didn't have this other sort of softer edge that people could see. So we're kind of whispering over a table and I remember whispering to her, I quite like to have children, you know? Um, kind of looking around making sure nobody overheard that um, and I won't bore the audience with the questions that she asked back but some of them were like quite um, quite coachified and one of them was like are you having enough sex and I was like you can't mention the S word at work you know oh my gosh you know how can you ask me that over a table you don't know me you know so it was quite a comical turning point point. and what happened then from that role I handed my notice in to start my business in 2010. What a lot of people don't realise was that I had already gone through a medical journey where I had um, been told, given, given a nice stamp of infertility on my forehead. Gosh. So I, um, I already knew that it was going to be a challenge, not only from that stamp, but having been diagnosed with endometriosis years before. So everything was kind of stacked up. The odds were stacked up against me. And on the day that I actually left that job, on the Friday, the Monday when I started to be self-employed, at least yeah. on, in my head, I also had an appointment with a doctor, and um, me and my then husband um, for fertility treatment, assisted conception. Well, because I'd done started doing this, you know, personal development work and mindset and everything else, I was just like, you know. This is this is the thing that I'm going to do. Positive mental attitude. It will work. It will be fine. Yeah. And it's like there were lots of very big turning points within that and lots of very subtle turning points. It was like a whole smorgasbord of turning points. Some I was able able to kind of just look over and disregard and some were a bit, you know, um, like there was the point. I remember before I went in to say a final, yes, I'm going to do this. I sat in the car. And I had quite a religious upbringing. And although I don't, um, I kind of don't do classic religion right now, there are parts of that that stays with you. And one of the biggest things that stayed with me is, should I do this? Because, you know, people very close to me who were still religious would say, but assistive conception is not of God. Mm. If yeah, God it's kind God, of messing
0: with the program.
1: Yeah. Who are you to mess with all of this? And I'm like, I've had all these weeks to think about it and talk to, you know, talk to my husband about it, but I'm still in this place of, should I actually do this or not? I don't know whether I, in that moment, exercised courage, like annihilated the fear. I don't know. It was a mixture of things. That was a turning point sitting in the car and thinking, do I really want to do this? You know, Mm -hmm. and I went ahead and did it. Um, you know, with the, pe- the positive mental attitude and everything else. I remember sitting in the IVF clinic with a notebook and thinking, if I had to teach somebody how to go through this process, what are the more helpful things for them to know rather than all the things that can't happen? Mm. You know, what are the mindset things that they might want to know? What are the practices? You know, and all of that kind of stuff. So I was kind of almost developing a how to do IVF course while yeah. I was there. Um, So I remember that being quite a pivotal thing because what that showed me was that I can't not teach people. I can't help it. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm having a conversation with somebody, they'll go, oh, I really liked what you shared. Then I think, what did I say? You know, so again, another, another turning point. But I think the most important piece of this of this particular piece of my life um, in terms of turning points come in two ways. Um, You know, positive mental attitude worked. I became pregnant with twins. I was very nervous throughout the pregnancy, had the most horrendous morning sickness all of the time. You know, anyone that's ever dealt with nausea on any level for any kind of illness, um, they'll know that it can be really debilitating. Very much so. Yeah. Um, I spent the first month in hospital once I knew I was pregnant. A lot of people don't know that. No, I didn't Um, know that no but guess what I did I had my phone and my computer I worked from my bed in fact for people that I was consulting with they didn't even know I was in hospital
0: oh my goodness I, just, I was
1: just like I can't make it into the office I can do some work got a lot on my plate now um and I I did that for like the 27 days or so that I was in the hospital in the hospital so I was nervous when I came out, um, and then, you know, it was always the question in my mind was, would the pregnancy stick? I knew by then I was having twins, um, and I was nicknamed while I was in the hospital um, because I told the other ladies on the ward, Jenny and the Pips. It was Jenny and the Pips, and <laughs> the Pips, the name stayed, you know. Um, so that, that kind of went as it went, came out of hospital, went through the journey of, like, you know, facing the fear and doing it anyway. And I got to 16 weeks and I thought, okay, well, people announce it at 12, 14 weeks. I'll announce it now. I'll let people know. Mm-hmm. So I did the modern day classic. I posted it on Facebook. Oh, my gosh. To post on Facebook that you're pregnant and that you're pregnant with twins. My Facebook like timeline was going nuts, completely bonkers. And, um, you know, people asking all sorts of questions. What I didn't say was that it was an IVF pregnancy. Yeah. Only a handful of people close to me knew that. So it was less than two weeks later that I had to go back to Facebook to um, announce, unfortunately, and always, I pause, I always don't like to say this, not because of me, but I feel like saying, if you're listening to this and you're pregnant and you've got any fear around keeping pregnancies, like really fearful, don't listen to me, you know, (laughs) because that was just my story. It doesn't have to be yours. So... You know, less than a couple of weeks later, um, I was rushed into hospital with um, really horrendous pains, you know, of what I thought was a miscarriage. Um, And it appeared that nobody, including the doctor that admitted me, unfortunately, realized that I was actually in labor at just under 18 weeks.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: So. I kept thinking I'm moving my legs you know this is every time I move my legs it's like I'm getting more pain so I need to sit still I was doing hypnotic breathing I was calming myself down you know um so after a few hours in the hospital I get taken up to another ward for an examination and I'll sp- spare you all the gory detail um but I actually delivered um the first twin the girl
0: yeah. by
1: myself interesting experience because the main thing that I remember throughout all of that was I'm in pain but I need to keep quiet because there are people on this (sighs) that that's sick that's what was running through my mind like keep quiet don't wake anyone up people are ill so obviously after that happened I got transferred over to um, delivery suite where I had the best male midwife in the world like he was he was brilliant he was brilliant and and what was interesting was, and I then had to obviously go through, I was still in labour, I had to yeah. go and deliver the, the boy. So the first thing that happened, like no amount of planning, and I'm like a woman of halves, so I'm tapped into the, you know, the esoteric and also grounded in the earth. I couldn't have planned this, I couldn't have scheduled it, I couldn't have written it out in a programme. For some reason, literally minutes after I'd had my son, the, the youngest of the two, who were too young to survive, I should say, um, this voice, like, came into my head. And I remember saying to my then husband, this is possibly the worst thing that could ever happen to us. But this can't define us. Something good has got to come out of this. It was like the words flew out of my mouth. I don't know who said it, because it wasn't me. It just came out. And I really felt that, and I really believed it. That's powerful. And... So this is a thing. People talk about planning and stuff. I'm a big like, yeah, plan it out, do this, get, you know, consistent. But that like fell out of my mouth. And I just, I knew it was the truth, my truth. Mm. Um, so, you know, I didn't think about what that meant then. I went through kind of a process, stayed in hospital for four days. So that was clearly a big turning point for me because it was like, on the one hand, it felt like my dreams were shattered.
0: Mm.
1: And on the other hand, like who am I to try and control what happens in my life you know mm. but the second turning point that actually cemented this piece came a few days when I um, a few days after I left hospital and and forgive me if you're listening to this I've got quite a weird sense of humor and I actually find elements of this quite funny and I hope you will too so four days out of hospital, my phone rings. And I've just been staring at my phone up until then. And for some reason, I pick it up, I answer it. It's a woman who I'd done some training with, like, years before. And I'm like, hi, how are you doing? And she's sobbing. And all of a sudden, I go out of whatever grief space I'm in to, like, oh, I've got to make sure that she's okay. But yeah. so I'm, I'm on the phone going, it's okay, it's okay. And she's sobbing. And I'm thinking, oh, she's obviously hurting. Like, what can I say? Like, honestly, she's sobbing. It's not that bad. Honestly, you'll be okay, you know? So she kind of, the sobbing subsides. And she said, I can't believe it. It's just like the worst thing ever. And I was like, I know, but it'll be okay. She's like, it's devastating. It's absolutely devastating. I said, it's okay though. It'll, It'll be okay. Things will work itself out. And she went, I loved my job. I was there for 19 years. <gasps> No. At which point I was like, oh, oh, she's talking about something else. And I've mastered the art of silent, like cracking up laughing. I was, I was howling with laughter. <laughs> I think I, I might have even muted the phone and I was laughing. Not at what she said, but at the kind of comic timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what the reason why that was a turning point and a pivotal point was she's ringing to tell me that she's been made redundant redundant from a job that she loved after 19 years. In that moment, it was like, you know, we all go through many things and many emotions in life. But a loss is a loss is a loss. Yeah. How bad it is or how like insignificant we try and make it or significant is only down to the energy that we put into it. Mm -hmm. And that felt like a lesson that was given to me with, like, absolute precision timing. If somebody breaks their fingernail and they are bawling their heart out, who am I to negate it and go, oh, but it was only a fingernail?
0: Yeah.
1: Like, allow people to feel however they need to feel, wherever they need to feel. And this was a little clue to, again, the voice. Mm. Like, people's voice, it's important. Mm. What they feel comes out a lot of the time in their voice whether it's their written voice their video voice their speaking voice it's their voice and we all need to be allowed to say it so lots of turning points in my life but those two that happened in that way were like quite big humdingers and i've had so many more since you know so many more since
0: gosh thank you for sharing that (laughs) i can actually i can feel the power well, I mean, it, obviously, it's a hugely powerful experience that you've had to go through, but grown through, mm. which I can relate to, as you know. Mm. Um, but I can, I can still feel the tingling in my heart when you when you shared that kind of really powerful insight that came through that mm. came came almost unbidden. It did. It's, and it's um, still
1: like it can bring me to tears on some days. Not I'm sure. Badness to it there's an absolute power to it and ironically um i had a coaching client that i was working with at that time and she said to me like i hope this doesn't upset you and um, you know this is our next session i hope this doesn't upset you i don't mean it to upset you she said i feel like you are earth to birth something far bigger than your own children mm. and i was like you know what it doesn't upset me it like you know when somebody says something and they come from that place you can feel the intent behind it very much so yeah um but actually I remember thinking gosh what if she's right oh my gosh (laughs) like that's a big job like what am I going to do if (laughs) I'd stayed in that space I wouldn't have ever been able to open my mouth
0: you know yeah yeah because of the weight of it all
1: yeah exactly and I think people get into that a lot they see their big vision maybe they do start with the end in mind which I you know in my in my masculine energy part and my linear part I will often start to answer client questions with well let's start with the end in mind but it doesn't mean that you have to only navigate that way on this occasion it was like an important piece definitely. yeah
0: yeah wow I'm still just trying to get over the power of those words in my because <laughs> I can really feel them uh it's it's really interesting listening to you and seeing you i'm lucky enough to be able to see you as we're having this conversation mm. sharing i've because i've heard that you know aspects of that story from you before but but not in this kind of one to one space to some, mm. to this extent and yet the power of the power of those moments still comes through loud and clear and there is a there is a really clear kind of message that's run through everything you're sharing Mm -hmm. and it's it's almost it seems to me a little bit about your you've you've got this inherent desire to make sense of things Mm -hmm. and you are quite naturally always thinking about other people and how you can make your experiences um you know how how you can use them to enrich other people's lives mm. in some way, how you can share what you've learned with people?
1: it's It's mm. interesting that you say that and reflect that back, because I know that to be true of me. It took for me to go through neurolinguistic programming and talk about twenty four different motivators, and it's funny because i I did a video recently about um motivators, and most of us are either driven, um to to be motivated ourselves through other people Mm -hmm. or through ourselves or anywhere in between and I definitely sit on the motivated by others something else that you might not have known about me was that um I was on a good old-fashioned business meltdown about 2013 I think it was and or 2014 um, and I woke up one morning with a song going round in my head, which happens quite a lot, and it's either the lyrics of it are significant or I listen to it and, I don't know, it just has some sort of shift for me. The words were, I can see clearly now. And I remember, like, I'm in the middle of this meltdown and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This meltdown was the kind where you can't stop crying. You don't even know why you're crying and you feel like you're not safe to be around people in case you go to the the local shop and say, can I have that (laughs) pineapple? (laughs) <laughs> you know yes. um, it was one of those thoughts so when um, I remember after a kind of couple of hours trying to meditate and do everything else and thinking if I could talk to anybody about how I'm feeling right now who would it be oh my gosh it'd be it'd be Dr Wayne Dyer for sure so um so that was that it was like that thought later on that evening I'm sat there and I'm doing some work and it's it's got to about I don't know nine o'clock at night not a great admission but I kind of did this work a bit later on and I've switched Hay House Radio on in the background and of course it's Dr Wayne Dyer's show so I thought I'm gonna phone in I said this morning (sighs) if I could ask anyone about this question who is it (laughs) so um I'm listening to the show, I've dialed in, and the moment I've dialed in, I get this huge knot in my stomach. I'm like, I'm gonna get through, I know I'm gonna get through. So the, um, the studio picks up the phone, takes my name, I tell them, visibility tip, if you're calling an American show, always tell them, I'm calling from London, and speak <laughs> like that, and you will always get on, I think. But um, I said, you know, my name's Jenny, I'm calling from London, England. So they put me on hold and they said, oh, we'll see if, you know, if your line gets picked and everything else. So now you can hear the um, radio show going on through the phone line. Um, you can hear Diane and Wayne Dyer talking. And it was like, so we're going to go to our next caller... Leon from Chicago and I was like oh, every time oh, bless you. then finally they're like so our next caller oh it must be quite late there is Jenny from England and I've since heard the playback of this um, of this show and they still air it on Hay House now and the first thing you can hear is me going oh, like like, oh my gosh I've been picked and then I'm oh. to humber, I'm like hi it's so good to meet you and I'm talking to Wayne Dye and it's like can't believe I get to ask my question the point of that is like based on what you just said before and it was um, I'd asked him about life purpose and the answer that he gave me which I don't think I properly heard at the time because I was just like silent tears streaming down my face oh. so a silent laugh and a silent cry <laughs> and um, and he said it's the thing that you would do anyway regardless of being paid for it regardless mm. of what people will say I am definitely others driven and I've been others driven since I was a child before I could even intellectualize what that is. Mm. Um, and it took for that day and that experience of Wayne Dyer to kind of like reflect that back to me. He said, if you like reading, just go and knock on a neighbor's door who might be lonely, go and sit and read with them. Like, don't think about I'll do it because, you know, and I think the same with social media or put yourself out there. Don't do it for the likes. Don't do it for the Or Don't do it for the comments. Don't do it for the people in the blog post. Don't even do it for the sales. Do it because it feels good to you and it feels completely in alignment. Um, and that's what I got from that. But what was interesting was afterwards, they said, oh, can you stay on the line? You know, um, Wayne would like to send you a book. He said, I can see clearly now the book, the very song that had been going around in my head that morning. That is now, it's a shame that you not see... <laughs> that I'm holding the book up,
0: but I can verify that you're holding that book up. Holding the book up. I I can see clearly now.
1: Yeah. So thank you, Dr. Wayne Dyer, who might have left the planet, but is still
0: definitely I was gonna say hasn't really left the planet. No, he
1: hasn't left the planet
0: at all. (laughs) Wow. Mm. That is magic for you.
1: Right there. A bit of (laughs) everyday (laughs) magic
0: so where do you go from there? I do not know because Enid Blyton. <laughs> yes. That's where
1: it started for me, Enid Blyton.
0: <laughs> you know what? Funnily enough, I was um, I was responding to a Twitter conversation the other day about um, what I think I'm in the writers' community on Twitter, mm. and one of the questions was what got you into reading and writing, and I actually said Enid Blyton closely followed by Alice in Wonderland and Narnia, but Enid Blyton and oh. um, my parents actually got called into school by the teachers who were very concerned that that was all I was reading. <laughs> you know, I think they were a bit worried that I was I was really limiting myself. Oh, but,
1: um, but Enid Blyton, the magic, the faraway exactly. tree, the wishing yeah. chair. I actually bought myself, in fact, people won't know this about us, but we... We went to a um, really lovely retreat centre, and I used to laugh about the tree outside. I said it actually looked like how I imagined the faraway. Yes. Tree. And after staying there, I actually went on to Amazon and bought myself the Wishing Share collection. And every now and then, like because you you forget before you remember, but every now and then, when I feel like I want to kind of reconnect with my everyday magic, I'll just read one of the stories oh, and just remember what it was like as a child, because. This is going to sound strange to some, but not strange to others. There's, you know, you've got to remember that I was like, I was going to say being made to go to church. It probably makes it sound a bit more dramatic. But, you know, from the age of four to the age of 16, I went to church every Sunday, went to Sunday school. And I'm going and hearing the messages that were being delivered from the Bible. Loved the Bible stories, loved all of that. And there were other pieces that the adults would put in, the rules, you know. Mm. If you're not a good girl, you will burn in hell. Mm. And I was thinking, but this man sounds pretty okay. I don't think he'd burn me in hell. I'd be okay. So reading The, like, the Wishing Chair, reading it, Enid Blyton tapped me into the magic that they seemed to allude to at a church but didn't go into. And it was like I remember knowing not to say to my mum, you know what, there's real magic out there. Because I knew she wouldn't believe me. Yeah. It was like my own secret that I loved. Like, she might be writing these books about this, but I know this happens in the world. And you know, some 40 plus years later, I still cling to that. Because I, I see it. It's all around you. And if you don't yeah. believe in magic, then you won't see it. You know, yeah. end of story.
0: Yeah, no, I'm so with you there. I think there's so many reasons why we why we connect and why we resonate with each other, and why I hold you with such high regard, and um <laughs> part of it's a bit like, well, actually, we're very similar, so I'm not sure what that says about me, but there you go <laughs> but no I think it's it is just that like minded um thing where we both have an openness to to other we're both open to that there is more to more to the world and to life than you can ever possibly see but at the Mm. same time we're both quite quite real and quite grounded and we we very much have a foot in the real world and I and I I think that's really important especially with Mm. your work because you can't connect with people in the here and now if you're not living in the here and now but at the same time you've got to have that energy of possibility for a reality that hasn't necessarily manifested itself for people yet
1: Mm. you've got to
0: be able to believe in that yourself to be able to communicate that to anyone you know you're working with or talking to because Mm. if they don't see you believing in a possibility for them other than the one they currently have then they're just not going to believe in it themselves so
1: it's interesting you've said that. I want to say thank you for saying that, because for you to be able to see that in me, it's definitely within you. The parts you've identified and even the parts that you might not have identified, you know, that's definitely within you. And the other thing that I want to say to anyone who's listening to this is we all have our own version. Like I describe mine as a half and half, you know, mine is half in the clouds and half <laughs> on the earth. And then, you know, we've got our own elements of that. So for some people, um, it's like the the people that get to work really closely with me get to see a bit more of the woo-woo-ness. But there are other elements of the less woo-woo side. And it alludes to something that you just said there in that if I want to, you know, I came through financial services. If I want to um, share a message, not convince, share a message Mm -hmm. of something, I need to meet people where they are. Yeah. Like, where their belief system is right now so that I can meet them where they are, feel like an equal and then show them the magic or the possibility or the other thing. And I desperately um, plead with people to do more of that. You know, Mm -hmm. I haven't watched TV for years. I don't read, I don't buy newspapers. But recently I would say in the last year, I have made a point of like, if I'm in the shop, I will have a look through a newspaper without the kind of fear that I need to protect myself but mm. so I can see what's really going on in the world and I feel like you know for those people that know about believe about or are interested in the collective consciousness yeah I think the reason why Brexit has happened in the way it's happened why Trump was elected in the way that he's elected is because too many of us that can actually make a difference and make a change turn our heads away and say i can't look at it it's too painful mm. this is a time if you identify with being a light worker you know a, a spiritual person this is time for you to roll your sleeves up and see what's going out on out there in the world and fit into the piece that you know your voice can fit into for you it might be environments or it could be um people or it could be politics Or it could be, you know, currently the R. Kelly trials going on. It could be that abuse was your path. It could be that you've had a multiple of those paths. Do what you can from where you can now. Don't be afraid of the messages in the media. You know, I have my own thoughts about those messages in the media. Have a look at them, like look them in the eye so that you can see where people really are and how you can affect the world. That's all you need to do. Do what you can from where you are. Um, and that's why you know I get so passionate about the whole subject, be it turning points, be it visibility, because we have all got something we can do. You don't have to yeah, do it sure. when you know you can do it right now. I so agree.
0: That's my soapbox. <laughs> I love that. No, that's beautifully said, and I'm 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 so with you on that. Mm. I I c- couldn't agree more. Um, so, so from your viewpoint now, having having, I know we've only touched really. A little glimpse of a huge huge story of this kind of rich deep unfolding this life full of experience that you 've had up to this point um, but from that from that vantage point, if you could go back to you let's let's say fifteen years ago no let 's say twenty years ago um, and, and give yourself some advice knowing what you know now about how you can trust in your future what do you, do you know what you might say to to younger you
1: oh there's so many things i would say um, the first thing i would say is still party enjoy yourself but don't burn the candle at both ends because you need your energy on the other end <laughs> that's the first thing i would say <laughs> I, I liked my partying when I was younger. Um, so I would definitely say that. Um, I would say um, to my younger self, like, not to take life so seriously. It's so it's so funny how, and specifically in my 20s, I think, I took things so seriously. I got, like, my head was so deep in things. It's almost like I purposefully got older before my time, and I didn't mm-hmm. need to yeah I don't know why and I, whether I whether that would have made a difference I don't know but at least to have heard that I think would have made a difference and um yeah I would have um I would have said to my my younger self then although my younger self might not have understood it back then is trust the whispers yeah those random thoughts or whispers of I could do this thing I could do that thing um they whispers they're, they're worth they're worth going with and mm. to be fair I did take a leap on a lot of those but there were lots that I didn't as well you know yeah yeah
0: oh that's beautiful those are those are very wonderful wise insights <laughs> that you just accessed magically just like that without even having to think about it which is how we know they're true right <laughs> yeah exactly it's all taken first, you know <laughs> um I think that feels like it might be a really lovely place place to round this conversation up really I think you've shared so much so much richness so so many insights and I think really we've come away with an understanding that we can very much trust the whispers because they don't just appear by accident. It's mm. not like someone put them there with any mean intention. And, um, and the pathway, whatever kind of route it takes, it will always contain clues mm. and it will always work out. And sometimes you might need a mentor or a helping hand or just a helpful person to shine a light and say, did you realize you do this? or you know it's it's um it's really interesting that's what I love about these kind of conversations because we always find similarities no matter how different our lives look so mm. thank you thank you for having me and, and sharing so openly and honestly and just going with a little unscripted convo <laughs> my
1: magical. favorite thing to do
0: chat <laughs> yeah same same um, <laughs> so if people who haven 't been on the planet of Facebook for some reason haven 't come across you i don 't know how that could be possible, but that 's just me i 'm biased um, if if people don 't know about you and they um, are intrigued and want to connect with you or find out more about you, where can they do that
1: so if you are on facebook then Go into Facebook and either search visibility vibe without the S on the end and my page will come up. The queen of being seen Jenny Kovacs. That's another conversation. How i got that name for another time. <laughs> um, so you can have a look at some of the videos and information that I put out there and I share ev- all things, everything. Um, and if not, and you're like not on Facebook, don't want to be on Facebook or, or something else like that. If you go to the queen of um, I've actually got some nice juicy stuff that's being cooked up as we speak oh, so um, nice. if you go on there, you'll see things appearing <laughs> like over the coming weeks on there. but I've got something really juicy and one of the things, whether it's Facebook or whether it's another way in which you um, you know you connect with me is I really truly believe that everyone has a voice and one of the things that I hope um, I do well and I want to continue elevating is People in my community, you know, um, Helen will know if if I'm doing a Facebook Live and you pop on, I'll either ask you about what you do. If I know about what you do, I will tell people because Mm. it's all of our jobs to let people know to help you have a voice. So that's why I'm excited about what I'm working on at the moment because I think it's going to be one of the first kind of communities where the people within the community are the quote-unquote experts. They're there because they're an expert, not there because they're like – Oh, master! You know, please teach me everything you know. You're not worthy. Yeah, I'm a bit bored with
0: that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, th- I, I, I see, I see the truth in that. For you, you are a, very much a champion of others, and, um, and that's really that really speaks to me as well that's very much my ethos these days I think we are just we are catalysts in each other's journeys and yes. and we are coming up into a place in the as you say the collective consciousness where we are realizing that that's our role now we are we're not here to be holier than thou and preach or any of that malarkey it's just like let's just hold the space and gather together exactly. and
1: and that's what I like about the book yeah. that you wrote because it's like it allows people to get access to you, whether they know you or don't know you. You know, yeah. they can get access to your wisdom. So you should plug your book. Actually, I should. We should.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm that really much good. Doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but before we go, I will just say uh, to anyone that hears this that Jenny is genuinely one of the most generous giving women I know. We have met in person a few times. It's not just an online connection. Uh, she's stayed in my heart for a really long time for a very good reason because she's just all heart. And, um, and Jenny, you do, you do show up. You do share. You're really visible. You do it with love. You, you just give time and energy and you champion other people. I love that about you. And I really hope that anyone that hears this that doesn't already know you, goes and finds the queen of being seen and connects with you because their life will be richer for doing so. Oh, thank you. So thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Turning Point Project. If you found this episode useful, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast as it really makes a difference and will only take a moment. If you'd like to continue the conversation or ask me any questions, come and connect with me over on Instagram at HelenRebelloAuthor or join the free magical life movement at HelenRebello.com. Have a gorgeous, gorgeous day and I'll catch you in the next episode.